This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 97, and today we are talking about books released on March 7th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hello. We're back in the land of good microphones this time. Yeah. I have some, like, lousy headphones today. They're making me sad. Oh. Well, you sound nice. That's good. That's what's important. I can't hear anything you're saying, but it's fine. (laughs) No, I can't. We should do a show like that one time. It'll be like the exquisite corpse version of a podcast where like you just say a thing and then I say a thing and then we stitch them together and it's like, do they make any sense? Who knows? That would be fun. Uh, but we have an anniversary coming up here. We're almost to our hundredth episode. That's so crazy. I know. Uh, so I think we have decided to let the people ask us burning questions yes. if they have them. So if you want to ask us a question, you can send us uh, an email at all the books at bookriot.com and we will answer questions on our 100th episode. And we'll do some new releases that day too. Uh, so don't worry about that. We're coming up on the 200th for the Book Riot podcast that I host with Jeff. So it's just like, ask me anything all the time now. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Maybe we'll do something it fun is. that day. Like we could have like a quiz or something. Like oh, what color is yeah. Rebecca's hair? And on what episodes did they not wear pants? Which is really a trick question. Spoiler. (laughs) Uh, I can't believe we've been doing this for almost two years now. It just, it still feels like a new project in uh, ways that I don't understand. It's great. I remember when Um, I was a little kid, it like shows would hit their hundredth episode and it was like such mm -hmm. a big deal because they only did it like, you know, 12 or 13 weeks out of the year or something like that. And so when I'm thinking like 100 episodes, I'm like, wow, it's been years and years and years. And I was like, right. no, we've done nine been seasons. <laughs> oh. I know, it's crazy. It's so good. And we have tons. This is like, I should let you say it because it's just like the biggest day for it's new books in 2017. Day. I'm calling it, it's the biggest day ever for new releases, like amazing new releases. I was just telling you before we started recording. Over the last seven months, I managed to read 30 of the titles that are coming out today. Um, That's bananas, Liberty. So many of them were incredible. Like, that doesn't usually happen. But there have been so many that I love that actually at the end of the show, I'm going to do a little wrap-up of several more that I love. Because I was like, I can't choose. I don't know which ones to pick. So do a little special thing at the end. Tell you about a few more. I'm excited. All right. When I kick us off with your first pick this week yes my new favorite nonfiction obsession it's the stranger in the woods the extraordinary story of the last true hermit by michael finkel so good so good so i had my eye on that one <gasps> but then he's from maine yep. so it's okay yeah or he it took place in maine um michael finkel is the former new york times writer he's been involved in some super crazy stories before 
there was, they made it into a movie, which I have not seen, but it's called True Story, about how a guy who murdered his whole family started using Michael Finkel's identity. Oh, God. And, yeah, like, bonkers. And this is another crazy story, and he was completely drawn to it. Um, And, like you said, I live in Maine, and I was completely drawn to it because of that reason. It's a true story. It's about the North Pond in Maine. Um, It's about three hours north of me. And back, going back 20 years now, they started having break-ins. A lot of people have second homes up there. There's a lot of cabins, and people's cabins were being broken into Things were being stolen. Batteries, flashlights, blankets, clothing, magazines, books, um, propane tanks. Just like a huge series of thefts that would go on like in the warmer uh, weather. The winters in Maine are just ridiculous. I mean, the forest is crazy and thick and hard to navigate and the winters are absolutely brutal. Um, And people would come back, you know, to summer in Maine and find that, like, their stuff had been stolen. And it became such a thing that, like, people were like, okay, some, like, one particular person has to be doing this. And they couldn't catch them, so they started leaving, like, notes on their doors, like, please don't break my window, or please don't break my lock, or please don't come in my house. Like, tell me what you need, and I will leave you a bag of it, or, you know. Wow. Like, please, you know, tell us what you need, and, you know, just, or they would just put stuff outside. But their notes were never answered, the stuff that they left was never taken. Continued to happen. There was a Um, camp up there, like a summer camp um, with a bunch of cabins, and those were broken into many times. So finally, this is going on for 27 years, 27 years. Finally, in 2013, with the use of equipment that they normally use in the military, (laughs) they were able to catch the guy. Like the guy, he breaks into a place, he trips an alarm, the video goes up, the sheriff sees him, goes and arrests this man. And it turns out that his name was Christopher Knight. And when he was 20 years old in 1986, he drove his car into the middle of the woods in Maine, abandoned it, hiked forever, found a really secluded spot, and set up camp and lived there by the North Pond. Like, he was, like, right in the middle of a town, basically. Like, he was not that far from people. But for 27 years, he never talked to anybody. He never went anywhere. He just stayed in this camp that he had made for himself. Just, like so, so detailed and just, like, crazy, like, tents and sleeping bags and fires. And and it's just... Did he keep a journal? Like, how do they know this? He, he didn't keep a journal. They just have what he's, like, what he's saying to go on. Oh, okay. Um, But, like, the camp, you know, is just incredible. Like, when Michael Finkel went to look at it, you know, it, he, it was built with, like, tons of layers of magazines and books and, um, like, just piles of propane tanks and just... And he would live, like, he would steal all this stuff, and then he would camp out in this, like, enclosure for the winter. And sometimes winters were better than others. You know, sometimes he was he came very close to, to not making it because it was so cold. And, you know, he was very careful. Um, he was very aware of the fact that he shouldn't get injured or break his glasses because he had no way of, like, getting help or, or replacing oh, them. Wow. Um, and... He, they say that he didn't get sick because people are like, how's it possible? How did he not go to the doctor? How did he not do this? They say that because he didn't encounter other humans, he wasn't really getting any germs from anybody. So oh, well, that makes sense. He, his immune system was pretty great considering. Um, so for 27 years, he lived in this camp. He stole and he stayed like completely away from everyone else, you know, until he was caught. 
And Michael Finkel was, like, fascinated. This was originally an article in GQ, and then he expanded it into this great book. Um, He was just fascinated by this guy, and he wanted to get inside the mind of this man who had shrugged off society, yet depended wholly on it for his survival. Because let's not forget, he was a criminal. He broke into over one... He committed over 1,000 break-ins. Sometimes, like, two or three times at the same place. Never a residential home. Never somewhere that someone was living at the time. Like, he never... He had, like, codes that he lived by. You know, he didn't want to encounter anyone else. Um, But, I mean, there were, like, kids who were afraid to go to sleep at night because they thought the North Pond, you know, monster was going to get them, you know, or, or get into their house and stuff, you know. So, is the man a criminal? Is he, you know, mentally... Like, is he fit? You know, like... Who lives in the woods for 27 years without talking to anybody? So when they arrested him, they didn't know what to do with him. Like, do we throw him in jail for all these crimes? I mean, a thousand break-ins, that's a lot of crime. Um, Or, you know, do they commit him? You know, does anybody who wants to live in the freezing cold winters of Maine, you know, by themselves, like, are they all there? So it's just a really fascinating, fascinating story. As you can tell, I've been talking about it forever now. Um, <laughs> and I only wrote like a couple notes because I was like, just don't make it long, but it's too late now. Um, it's it's so incredible. And I'm really excited because uh, the launch is taking place in Maine, the launch of this book tonight. Um, and I'm going to go see it. And it's so great. It's The Stranger in the Woods by Michael Finkel. I am just totally fascinated by that as well. And just running off to live in the woods has sounded appealing over the last six months or so. (laughs) But this is, but yeah, but when you think about the, the lived reality of it, that like what would be required to survive without ever interacting with other humans is functionally to steal from other people that it really drives it home. What a complicated story. I forgot to mention Um, the permit deniers. (laughs) <laughs> like when you were asking, like, how did he, how did he do that? It's, there's people who, like, online, there are the hermit deniers who say that he's so full of it, and like he must have gone to stay in someone's house over the winter and then come back. And there's all that hermit stuff. truthers. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> oh what I gosh. meant. That too. Oh. It's so great. So many different aspects of this will have you like nudging the person next to you, going, "Hey." Ah, well, I will be relatively quick in my first pick because I went on and on about it when I read it a couple of no, months ago, but best. it's finally out now. It's so good. It's All Grown Up by Jamie Attenberg. Uh, it is. I know this is going to be like anything else is going to be hard pressed to beat this for my favorite novel of the year. Uh, it's about a woman named Andrea. She's 39 years old. She's single. She doesn't have kids. She doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to have children. Uh, and the book takes us just into her lived experience over a couple of years being a single childless woman uh, in her mid and late 30s, sort of what her relationships were like, what her dating experiences have been like, what it's like trying to figure out her career and her working life, sort of that identity struggle of like, if I'm not going to be a wife and I'm not going to be a mother and I don't have a great career, then who am I and how do I make sense of myself as, how do I make sense of my desires as valid and real when they're so unconventional? Um, And Attenberg goes through some really universal, but also very specific moments. Um, Like Andrea has terrible experiences with men that anyone who knows men can relate to in in some fashion, but the details of them might vary from story to story. Uh, Her family has issues with the siblings sort of taking care of each other or not, and how her parents are going to balance their time with different siblings and sort of what the demands of being a member of that family are. I think we can all relate to that. It's really, really funny. It is searingly honest. It's like, I think the most honest, unapologetic 
feminist as all get out novel about what it is to be a woman today, a woman who makes unconventional choices. I said the first time that we talked about it, that it just reads like a house on fire. And that's the best description I can come up with for it. So I'm just going to say it again. Um, I read the whole thing in one sitting. I could not turn away. Uh, If you're looking for a book club book, for a book for any woman in your life, for a book for someone who wants to understand the women in their lives in a new way, this is a genius, genius lens onto it. Um, Jamie Attenberg's previous novels have been good, great even, but this is uh, this is a whole step up to a new kind, a new level of writing and of really peeling back a character's experience to get to uh, the, the human and the in this particular story, really the experience of being a woman. It is so, so fantastic. Uh, and again, it is called All Grown Up. It's by Jamie Attenberg. She's my hero. It, it is so good. I just... Like I've met her before, but I feel like the next time that I see her now that this book is out, it's going to be dangerous because I'm going to be like, but Jamie, before you were like a normal person who wrote great books and now you're a person who wrote this book that, oh my God, yes. like I'll just be, I'm going to be a little bit crazy, but that's okay. It's excellent. I want it to be a ginormous bestseller. I want to see a movie or like an HBO series from this. It would be just so great. Her voice is just so sharp and she just doesn't pull any punches here. It's wonderful. Also, I might have mentioned this before, but she has the best dog. (laughs) Sid is my hero. I love him. Writers with good dog Instagrams is a whole other thing. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, He's hilarious. Why don't you tell us about our first sponsor? Yeah, speaking of dogs, our first sponsor is Third Love. They're back with their bras. No, there's no segue there. I was like, I'm just going to go with it. Um, Did you know that women change bra sizes an average of six times in their lives? Which, Rebecca, I think you were mentioning that you just recently found out that you had had changed. Um, That is why finding the perfect fitting bra can make all the difference. Thankfully, their love bras were developed using thousands of real women's measurements and range from sizes AA to G, including signature half cup sizes. So no matter what your body shape, you are sure to find a fit that is right for you. So you get the bra, you try it on. You wear it for 30 days. You do everything that you would normally do with a bra after you talk to somebody at the Fit Finder. If you go to Third Love's Fit Finder, it only takes 30 seconds to determine the best size and style for your body. So you find that out. You get the bra. You do everything you would normally do. If you love it, you keep it, and they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, you send it back for free, and your card will not be charged. So it's like a win-win, really. Uh, so you go to thirdlove.com books to get started today. That's thirdlove.com slash books, and it lets them know that you came from us, and we thank them for sponsoring the show today. Yeah, especially going into summer when you want a bra that will look good under your t-shirts and your tank tops, and where your straps will stay in the right place, and where everything else will stay in the right place. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You don't have anything to lose here uh, by trying it. I love this bra because like, well, for many reasons, but I particularly love that. Like if you're wearing a scoop neck shirt and you lean over, everything stays where it's supposed to stay. Yeah. Um, And I'm never worried about like a a slip of any kind. Yeah. Or like when you stand back up, like now half of it has rolled out, you know, so your shirt's all lumpy in the front. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Nope. They're excellent. So thanks again to Third Love. All right, Miss Liberty. <gasps> you're up next. Okay. So Jamie's me- like novel might be my favorite novel of the year. and But I think that this one might be the most important novel of the year. Okay. okay. It is Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. It is so good. I mean, it, anyone that has read this 
just goes, <gasps> it's amazing. He wrote incredible novels before this, Reluctant Fund Fundamentalist, um, How to Get Filthy Rich in Rising Asia, Moth Smoke, there was a book of essays, but this is just, like Jamie, a whole nother level. It is an incredibly stunning novel about refugees. It takes place in an unnamed country that's on the brink of civil war. And while war is about to break out, two people fall in love. There's Saeed, who is a very polite and kind man. He's a young man who lives with his parents. And there's Nadia, who is a very non-traditional woman in this country. She lives alone, which is, like, unheard of for a young woman. She has to lie and say that she's a widow in order to do it. Um, she wears the traditional robe, but she doesn't believe in it. She just does it so people will leave her alone. But she also drives a motorcycle, which causes a lot of problems. Like, people harass her a lot. Um, but they meet in a class, and they fall in love. And as their courtship starts, the militants start to take over the town and they're fighting with the government and there's bombings and shellings and just terrible, awful stuff and it affects their lives and we get like this really intimate look into how fighting like this and how a civil war affects people and what they do. Like what happens, like the power goes out or they can no longer have water um, or they can no longer go get food because food is being rationed and you have to just like keep going about your life but these are these things that are also happening. It's just, it's, amazing. And he has this incredible way to describe the process of fleeing to another country. Said and, and Nadja want to leave. And there's this thing that I don't want to spoil, so that he does in the book um, to describe like leaving what you do to leave another country. It's a little bit magical. It's amazing. This book is so lyrical and so like hypnotic. His writing is so beautiful. It just feels like your brain is being rubbed with velvet and you just feel very calm and it's a great way to go about reading it because he's very matter of fact about everything that takes place in this book. I mean, it's about a civil war. There's, you know, terrible things like I said, bombings and there's beheadings and, and it's awful. And But their love story is wonderful and it's, I couldn't, you know, I love this book. It couldn't be more timely. And like, you know, the Ta-Nehisi Coates book was like the book of 2015, like this is the book of 2017, like the refugee experience. It's fantastic. Again, it's called Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. I don't have any good way to follow up the gravitas of that spot. Oh, it's so good. So I will just move on. My next book is really lovely uh, and just a very pleasant reading experience. It's called Spaceman of Bohemia by Yaroslav Kalfar. Uh, it's about a man named Jacob Prochaska who was orphaned when he was a little boy. He was growing up in the Czech countryside and he has just been a scientist, but he's plucked out of obscurity basically and selected by the government to go to space and to study this crazy cloud that has formed around Venus. So they're going to send him on a solo mission into space to study. Um, while he is up in his rocket spaceship, whatever, uh, I spaced out when I was talking about this on the Book Riot podcast and called it his space machine. So we're doing, <laughs> we're doing better uh, on this show. outer car. Basically. <laughs> We're doing better on this show today, right. today than I did earlier. While he's up in his uh, rocket in outer space, uh, he's you know basically having like FaceTime dates with his wife, really, really missing her and then noticing that things are changing between them. He's beginning to think he may have made the wrong choice in leaving her behind on Earth to pursue glory basically in this way. And while he is out here floating around in space, he discovers that there's a giant 
alien spider occupying the ship with him. Ew. The spider is the spider is possibly imaginary, but we're not really sure. <laughs> it talks to him. He talks to it. <laughs> they discuss the and it's like oh, it's 100% believable in the way that the story is written. Um like he uh, Jacob just believes that this spider is there. They have these deep conversations about uh, the nature of the universe, about love, about uh, sort of the commitments that we make to each other, all while Jacob is trying to tease out what he has done with his life by leaving really his life behind and coming into space by himself. And will it all be worth it? Will he be able to redeem his father's troubled legacy? I don't want to spoil any of that. Um, And there are some complications, but he encounters... Russian astronauts who are also up in this Venus cloud thing, but no one knows that they're there. Um, And I wasn't originally going to mention this, but it's in the blurb on the back of the book. So I'm deciding that's not a spoiler. Um, And then the question becomes like, is he going to make it back to earth? And if he does, what will happen when he gets there? The whole book feels a bit like a hallucination, but in a, in a pleasant way where you're like, is any of this real? How much of it is real? Which parts are real? Uh, it's pleasantly trippy, I found, um, and it. I was really worried it was going to turn out that like the whole thing was a hallucination, and that would have made me angry. So you can take comfort that the whole thing is not a hallucination. <laughs> um, one note, I've been seeing this pitched for readers who loved The Martian, and I think that's only relevant if you like books about men going into space by themselves, but the tone and the content really of of the books are completely different. This one is much quieter, very contemplative. Like I was saying about like the nature of consciousness and the universe and what we're all doing here and family. Like it's uh, it's a, a lot heavier than, than the Martian was in that respect, but a very easy and pleasant read. Again, it's called the Spaceman of Bohemia by Yaroslav Kalfar. I did not read that one. It's but good. I'm going it's, to. It's a bit of a mind foxing, but in a really nice way. Yeah. It sounds great. What do you have up next? Oh, this next one, I finished it, and I was like, I'm dead. It killed me dead. So good. Seriously, so many good books today. I can't even take it. My next pick is The Hearts of Men by Nicholas Butler. He wrote Shotgun Love Songs, which, oh yeah, surprisingly, I don't know how I missed it, but I didn't read it, which I'm going to as soon as I possibly can now, because this book just it killed me. I loved it. It takes place in um, Wisconsin. And it starts off in 1962. There's 13-year-old Nelson Doty. He is an awkward 13-year-old. He's a Boy Scout. Um, He goes to Camp Chippewa every year, but he doesn't really have any friends except this one guy named Jonathan who, you know, is just generally nice to everybody. So he's nice to Nelson, but, like, Nelson doesn't really have any friends, and he considers his mother his best friend. Um, and Nelson's father is a bully and he's a lout. And so they go off to camp, uh, for this like father son, like outing for the, for the week. And he, Nelson doesn't have an easy time of it. Um, the other kids make fun of him. He's subjected to some sort of awful hazing. Um, and there's an incident that takes place where he has to decide if he wants to be popular or if he wants to be true and honorable. And then the book jumps to 1996 and now Nelson is a scout leader at this camp. Um, he went to Vietnam at a very young age, and it has scarred him irreparably, of course. Um, but he's still friends with Jonathan, and they take Jonathan's son Trevor uh, to camp this year. Um, and they have this sort of unforgettable evening where things transpire that changes 
people's perceptions about one another. And then it jumps to 2019. And I'm just going to go ahead. It's not like a spoiler, but I don't normally read the backs of books. But for some reason, I did read the description of this one. And I'm glad that I did because um, there is a section that takes place in 2019 between Jonathan's grandson. There's something that happens to Jonathan's grandson and Jonathan's daughter-in-law. Um, that is all the trigger warnings. Um, it's it's very it's very rough, um, and I'm glad that I knew that that was coming before I before I kept going because I would have just. <gasps> um, but it's it's brutal, but it's fantastically well done. The whole the whole book, the whole thing. It's about toxic masculinity and it's about male fragility and it's you know about bad fathers and sons not wanting to be like their dads and about women raising men you know raising uh, sons without fathers or men around. It's just this remarkable, remarkable novel. Again, it's called The Hearts of Men by Nicholas Butler. Oh, man. I read Shotgun Love Songs and liked but didn't love it. Like, it's because uh, that kind of the gang gets back together set up about people, I think, who are back in a small town for a high school reunion or something like that. Mm-hmm. But this sounds like a real, like, level up. I thought it was perfect. Awesome. All right. Our next sponsor this week, before we roll into our final selections, is called The Walls Are Closing In. Uh, This is a novel set after an event called The Seclusion. It takes place decades after The Seclusion, during which America sealed itself off from the outside world. Patricia Evans lives within the panoptic nightmare of a total surveillance state. History and geography are classified. Cultural expression is considered treason, as is any attempt to find out the truth regarding the world at large. While she's on a routine assignment to scout the viability of some natural resources, Patricia and her coworker Rex discover unedited books from back before the seclusion. These texts will spark an unquenchable thirst for the truth, and they start Patricia off on a self-destructive journey of discovery. Um, The book is in a publishing campaign, uh, so you can pre-order it. Um, It's for fans, obviously, of dystopian fiction, like 1984. This sounds kind of Hunger Games-ish. All those kinds of things are having a very timely moment right now. The Walls Are Closing In is by Jackie Castle, J-A-C-Q-U-I, Castle, like the castle. Um, So you can pre-order it now to help fund the publishing campaign, which is being run at inkshares.com. We'll have a link to it in the show notes if you want to do that. So thanks to them, uh, to the walls are closing in and good luck, Jackie Castle, with your publishing campaign. Okay. So I guess it's me now. It's you. It's me now. We have been uh, having a run of books that are like incredibly timely this this uh episode around i didn't even really notice it but that's been working out i know it has been you're you're not wrong (laughs) this is is totally crazy so my next pick is dear igiawele or feminist manifesto in 15 suggestions it's by chimamande ngozi adichie and this is an excellent and beautifully packaged little companion book to we should all be feminists um you probably saw this uh, circulate in its original form last year when adichie wrote on her facebook page she received a note from a friend uh, who had a daughter who was only a day old and the friend wanted to know adichie's advice for how to raise her daughter to be a feminist. So she writes an essay here, basically, of some general ideas about what it is to be a woman in the world, to be a feminist, why feminism is important, and then 15 suggestions for the mother about how 
to achieve that. Uh, and then this new book, which is really lovely, um, collects those suggestions. Uh, she suggests to her friend, you know, to be a full person herself, that motherhood is a glorious gift, but not to define herself solely as a mother to do, uh, to do this together, like with, with a partner and with their community, uh, that it, that she can't just raise this feminist daughter on her own to teach her that gender roles are absolute nonsense and that you can't ever do or not do something just because you're a girl. Uh, let's see what else. Um, beware of the danger of what I call feminism light. I love this one. It is the idea of conditional female equality. Reject this entirely. It is a hollow, appeasing and bankrupt idea. Being a feminist is like being pregnant. You either are, or you are not. You either believe in the full equality of women or you do not. Uh, here are some examples of feminism light. A woman should be ambitious but not too much. A woman can be successful, but she should also do her domestic duties and cook for her husband. A woman should have her own, but she should not forget her true role as a homekeeper. Of course, a woman should have a job, but the man is still the head of the family and on and on. So there are 15 of these great points that she elucidates here about, uh, you know, not really just how this one woman can raise her one daughter to be a feminist, but how we can raise all girls and really all people to be feminists and why that matters. Again, it's a really great companion to We Should All Be Feminists, which uh, came out last year and is sort of a book version of a TED Talk that Adichie gave. Uh, these are excellent, as we've been saying, they're very timely right now. But if you're building up like a feminist library for yourself, if you want to do a feminist starter pack for a friend, um, I think it's uh, worthwhile to point out that these two particular books, Adichie's work here, are very accessible and don't feel uh, to me as politicized as some other works about feminism can. So especially if you're like trying to convert someone who's on the fence or who maybe just doesn't quite understand what feminism is, who's encountered some of those uh, negative perceptions of it, these might be a way to you know, sort of deprogram some of that and introduce them to what feminism is really supposed to be about and how we can begin taking steps towards that in our lives and with the young people that we encounter. So again, the book is called Dear Igiowele or a Feminist Manifesto in 15 Suggestions. It's by Chimamande Ngozi Adichie. And like everything else on this episode, it's out today. I'm glad you talked about that because I can never say her name. <laughs> I have up. practiced. I, I've gotten it wrong enough times and then been corrected by helpful listeners who are like, here's how you do it. So I think that that was correct. I apologize if it wasn't. Please do let me know. <laughs> I think I was. Okay, lady, now is your big moment to shine. Oh, my goodness. So... <laughs> I'm going to roll through a bunch of titles, and not even all of the ones that I read and like, just some of them. Um, but there will be a list of these in the show notes. Like, don't don't worry, you don't have to remember them all. But you should read them all, because they're amazing! Um, I can, I like, it. they put galleys out so early now. I cannot believe how many of these I read, like, back, like, last summer. You know, it's, I was mm -hmm. just like, oh my goodness. But this is, it's like, the best day. So I'm just going to get started here with a bunch of fabulous novels that, and books that I loved. The first is Edgar and Lucy by Victor Lodato. He wrote Matilda Savage many years ago, which um, I think was, like, a BNN pick. It was fantastic. This is about eight-year-old Edgar and his mother Lucy, and this, it's a sort of strange and beautiful coming-of-age novel. Um, there's The Impossible Fairy Tale by Han Yuzhu. It is about two girls in a class. Um, one is the popular spoiled girl, and one is the girl that no one really seems to notice uh, until she does something bad that has repercussions for, for everyone. Um, and then there's a whole other second part to the book that's sort of like a story about the story that you just read. It's it's weird and fabulous. And the cover is, whew, 
Um, I read Blitzed, Drugs in the Third Reich uh, by Norman Oler, which is not something I thought I would enjoy, but Jason Diamond totally sold me on it, and it's about basically how the Nazis made speed and crystal meth really popular. Like, they gave rise to methamphetamines. Um, and it's all completely true. Uh, Rabbit Cake is a great novel from Annie Harnett. Hartnett, sorry. Um, it's about a young girl named Elvis Babbitt, and she loses her mother, and her and her sister and her father are having a hard time sort of dealing with it and are behaving in certain ways because of it and how it affects them. Um, there's Ill Will by Dan Sean. Dan Sean is a god, and everyone should read him. Um, this one is a great big novel about a psychiatrist and two unsolved crimes, one of which were the murders of his parents when he was young. Uh, there's Shoot Like a Girl, One Woman's Dramatic Fight in Afghanistan and On the Home Front by Mary Jennings Hager, which I think the title says it all. Um, it'll soon be a motion picture, so check that out. Uh, Celine by Peter Heller. He wrote The Dog Stars, which is one of my very, very favorite novels, and he's so great. Uh, this is about a private investigator who specializes in reuniting families as a sort of way to make amends for her own past. Um, there's The One-Eyed Man by Ron Curry. Fantastic writer. Ron's so funny and awesome. This one is like about a widower who sort of begrudgingly becomes the star of a reality show when he interrupts an armed robbery. Um, there's The Inexplicable Logic of My Life by Benjamin Alira Sines. He wrote Aristotle and Dante Discover Secrets of the Universe. That probably sounds familiar. So good. It's so, so good. good. This one is so good. It's about a boy named Sal. He lives with his adoptive gay father and they're a Mexican-American family, and he thinks everything is great, but suddenly it's senior year, and he's having all these problems and feelings and anxiety and outlashes, and he doesn't understand why that is. It's so, so good. And I just want to quickly mention a few sequels. There's so many sequels out today that are great. Um, the Generations Trilogy by Scott Sigler, the third book, wraps up today it's called Alone and it's great and fantastic. The third book in the Bone Season series by Samantha Shannon is out today called The Song Rising. I absolutely love this series. I can't get enough of them. Um, the sequel to The Vore, which was one of my favorite books of 2015, is out today. It's called The Erstwhile. If you like Jeff Vandermeer, you should definitely check out The Vore in the sequel. And the sequel to Bohemian Gospel by Dana Chambly Carpenter is out today called The Devil's Bible. And that is like a fantastic fantasy Middle Ages sort of story that I just feel like more people should read. So those are some really awesome books that are out today. Take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, like I couldn't pick. I, like seriously, I was like, I don't know what my fourth book should be. Uh, I just want to talk about a whole bunch of them. <laughs> well, you did it. You I then did it. Did it. Uh, my last pick this week, because I did not read 30 books that were coming out today, is one that I'm super excited about but haven't gotten to yet. It's Evening Land, a collection of short stories by Michael Knight. If you don't know Michael Knight and you like quiet Southern sensibility voice, you need to get on this stat. Um, his last book before this was The Typist, and it's short and really lovely and wonderful. And like kind of, it's so quiet that it's surprising when it hits you in the face. Uh, but it's very good. Evening Land, this 
stories are interlinked um, about the right kind of Mobile family. That's Mobile, Alabama, for those of you playing along at home, um, in the years before a devastating hurricane. And it deals with dramas, both personal and epic, um, from the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, oil spill, now I sound Southern, uh, to the unspeakable misgivings of contentment. Uh, there's just a poeticism to his writing and uh, really... He's very Southern himself and just the loveliest sort of Southern gentleman, and that comes through uh, in his writing. One of the stories is about a teenage girl who has a taste for violence and holds a burglar hostage in her house on New Year's Eve. But another one is about a middle-aged couple examining the intricacies of their marriage uh, in the run-up to throwing a party. So sort of you're going to get the whole spectrum here, uh, but about this sort of uh, larger family in Mobile, Alabama. I, I just love Michael Knight so much. If you, this isn't a direct comparison, but if you like the kind of quiet voice in the, um, Kent Haruff, like evening song, uh, or what is it? Plain song and evening song. And there was the one last year about the older couple who like just lie together at night holding hands. I can't remember what it was called now. Um, but really wonderful. If you like that sort of sensibility, I think you'll like Michael Knight a lot. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And that new collection is called Evening Land. So I'm going to be reading that very soon. I all love right. that you, like, except for Jamie's book, you read all books that I have not Read. I know we didn't do any overlap. Oh, I did read. I did read. Dear. Oh my goodness! I can't even say it now. Idiowale. Thank you. What's <laughs> that word? I can't remember. I did read that one. But like that's why we go to well so well together because I know our Venn diagram is actually pretty small. So we're good. Well, like yeah. a nice little peanut butter and jelly situation. Peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else I was gonna say. What are you gonna read now? Oh my goodness! I don't even know. Um. I, I just finished a book, like, right before we started recording, so I'm looking at my shelf right the second. Uh, I think yeah, I think I'm going to read the new Paula Hawkins, Into the Water, oh, uh-huh. The Girl on the Train. Like, I really liked The Girl on the Train. I didn't love it. Um, and my friend who read this new one felt the same way about Girl on the Train, and she said this one is better. So I'm excited to read it. Oh, I think I'm going to pick up who thought this was a good idea and other questions you should have answers to when you work in the White House. It's by Alyssa Mastromonaco. Uh, she was the former White House Deputy Chief of Staff. And I got pitched it as Mindy Kaling goes to the White House. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out in the next couple of weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, there's actually a section in Mindy's last book about how she went to the White House. Oh, in, like I don't her last that. memoir. She like talks I about, read like, it, but I don't. She brings remember. her date there, like she's seeing some oh, right. some fine oh, gentlemen. Right. That's funny. Yeah. Well, this is someone who's like Mindy Kaling, apparently. <laughs> I'm all I'm here for a funny young woman's White House memoir. I could use a boost. Uh, so that is our show this week. Thanks again to our sponsors. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your free 30-day trial with one of their bras. To the walls are closing in. Check out the link in the show notes to back the publishing campaign and pre-order your copy now. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Thoughts, questions for our upcoming hundredth show, whatever, uh, or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. If you've got a question for that hundredth episode, that's better for email than Twitter, just so we don't lose it. Uh, and if you would want to give us a little hundredth anniversary gift, you could leave a rating or review on iTunes to help other folks who are looking for book shows find their way to us with the Magic Apple algorithm. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, 
Happy, Happy reading. reading.